Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about the results from the Dortmund Regional Championships this past weekend. Some pretty wild and unexpected finalist decks. We'll break it all down. We'll talk about Azul's next upcoming show match. It's definitely going to be something that is exciting, something to look forward to. We're going to have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we're going to close things out this week by talking about the first major tournament of the new format, the Champions League Fakuda, taking place this weekend. It's going to have the cards from Temporal Forces that we're going to be getting soon. Japan already having those cards, of course. It's going to be post-rotation. So it's going to be basically the same format as our European International Championships coming up. This tournament's going to be super important for what our meta is going to look like moving forward. It's also, of course, going to be very important for what's happening over in Japan. It is massive. There's like 3,000 players competing in this thing. So certainly something to keep your eye on. And then, of course, we're going to have our bonus episode over on the Patreon to close things out. If you want to get a little bit extra podcast from me and Azul every single week, best place to do it is over on Patreon. You get a 30-minute bonus episode, and uh, you can support us over there. Patreon.com slash Uncommon Energy Podcast. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, buddy? Doing good, Chip. Um, I guess, like, one thing we didn't put in our sheet that we're going to talk about, or quickly mention, I guess, is, like, mention it right now real fast, is just registration for EOIC was announced a little bit yep. late, but still pretty timely, I would say, overall, like, pre pretty reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean, for those... Oh. For the internationals, I think they need to be pretty far in advance, man. Like so that's many fair, people, that's fair. they've got fair to plan argument. their travel and it gets more expensive the longer you wait. And booking refundable travel is way more expensive than booking just regular travel. It's tough. Yeah, it is going to be happening on February 22nd, February 23rd, 2 p.m. Eastern and 2 or 4 a.m. Eastern. Are going to be the two waves, the two initial waves. I feel like every time there's two initial waves that fill up really fast, there usually is another wave. But um, you definitely want to make sure you're trying to register on those two initial waves. And also registration dropped or the dates and times for a bunch of other North American events, Orlando, Indianapolis and Los Angeles. The dates and times for their registration also uh, was uh, put out there. You can check out all that info at uh, pdcglegends.com slash tournament slash upcoming. Um, Alex Wilson's site that has the the best compilation of tournament information than anywhere else. So, yeah, go check that out for all the upcoming tournaments and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I had a pretty good week this week. I did the the restream of the Dortmund Regional Championships. I did this for, was it Liverpool? Yeah, Liverpool. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not able to catch every round because like me waking up at 4 a.m. is like, you, I, like, I woke up at 4 a.m. Saturday and Sunday this time around. And I was like two rounds late both times, which is like fine. I'm not like stressing to see every single round. Also, the early rounds are a little bit less exciting, right? Um, who knows if those players are going to be in contention for day two or top eight. Uh, but the streams were really good. Um, you even mentioned it to me, I think, after my stream was over. Like, I had over a 1,000 people on YouTube, which is, like, a pretty big surprise, to be honest. Yeah. And I think I had over a 1,000 on Twitch at some point as well. So, honestly, between... Well, I don't know how many viewers they get on the official pokemon channel on youtube there was a lot for the finals on the on the so i actually looked at it because i was curious so you had like 1.2k on youtube during the finals and the official channel had like over four thousand, which is pretty oh, good really? honestly that is yeah. good yeah uh i think partially like it's like a better time of day you know kind of middle of the day compared to like when ours 
our finals and stuff are happening where it's like at night it's a little easier for people to catch it i think and then also like the fact that it was two ridiculous decks like totally unexpected in the yeah. finals like i think got a lot of people excited to check it out because normally Definitely. like the middle of the format the streams i think seem to do a little bit worse just because there's nothing like exciting you know nothing like yeah. new is happening really yeah nothing too exciting nothing too new um yeah i'm gonna keep doing those i'm gonna have fun with those like i said did liverpool did dortmund now uh plan to do restream Fakuda this weekend and then like there's a lot of american tournaments coming up i'm going to of course all the north american events so i won't be restreaming those but that's definitely like something like i guess like as i move forward with my content and maybe start competing less like i that's what i will be doing is like restreaming the events i don't attend um yeah that was that was basically my week getting back into the content stuff now that i'm not really traveling for a while now not gonna be traveling again until vancouver which is honestly nice is like the biggest break i've had in like the last two years maybe even so um yeah excited for the break um got some got some other cool content stuff coming up how about you chip though how was your week besides tuning into a little bit of dormant yeah, it was pretty good. You know, nothing crazy going on. Had some family over for the Super Bowl. Had a good time watching that. Oh, yeah, that um, game was crazy. Yeah, yeah. It ended up, it's so interesting because it's like we were sitting there watching the game and my dad and granddad like were like, oh, this is like not a super great game. And it's like there wasn't a lot of scoring <laughs> at the very big. Well, it's because like the first half, right? Like yeah. it was kind of slow. Like the first quarter ended, it was three to nothing. But it was like uh, a classic like old school football like field position fight you know there was mistakes on both sides which you know i guess doesn't necessarily lend itself to being a necessarily good game but by the end of it it ended up being an extremely exciting super bowl i think it was just the second super bowl ever to finish in overtime mm-hmm. um but yeah well, i mean if the teams are playing like i don't know i feel like when people look at mistakes especially in sports they don't i feel like one thing that gets left out is like is it the is it them making mistakes or is it the other team pressuring them and making it hard for them making to play well play, you know? yeah and like forcing them into or like not forcing them to make mistakes but making it harder for them to make good plays which leads to mistakes um, yeah i mean i think usually it's like a combination of things right like things like yeah. fumbles and stuff that happen yeah a lot of times it's like, like a, a good defensive play like punching out the ball but also like you know as a ball carrier inside the 10 yard line you gotta hold on to that thing for <laughs> everything it's worth right yeah definitely yeah it was a really exciting game for sure um i'm not really like a fan of either team i'm a fan of patrick mahomes like specifically um it's gonna be interesting to see what he can do like over the next couple yeah years the next five to ten years however however long he plays because 10 years might be stretching it a little bit um but yeah it'll be interesting to see what he can do um so that's really crazy exciting, man actually. how successful he's been he's only 28 years old yeah. He's won three Super Bowls. It's pretty how long wild. Did Brady, how long did Brady play till 40? Was Did he get to 40? Yeah, Brady played for 20 seasons. Sheesh. And he's only, yeah. Yeah, so Mahomes could, Mahomes could dethrone him. It would be interesting. I'm excited. I'm excited to see if he can do it or not. Yeah, they um, talked about that a bit on the broadcast of like, you know, on pace passing up it. the torch, stuff yeah. like that. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't know. Anytime someone finds a lot of success, uh, people love to hate whoever's on top. It's easy to hate whoever's on top. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there was even like an interview. I don't remember the exact words that were said, but someone basically asked that question kind of to Patrick this week. It's like, you know, you guys are like having the makings of a dynasty here. Uh, it seems like a lot of people have begun to paint you guys at the, as the villains and stuff like that. And he said, you know, win or lose this game, you know, we're definitely like, I don't remember exactly what he said. Like, you know, we're definitely like trying to, you know, 
make this a thing like the dynasty whatever uh and he said if people want a villain i'm happy to be that villain for them is what he said <laughs> <laughs> if it means yeah. that they're becoming the super bowl champion so many years in a row or whatever it almost, is that just how it goes in football because like i haven't really it's how following. it goes in everything man everyone hates true. whoever is the best well i feel like sometimes in like other sports when someone's really really good and winning a lot like i feel like it's the same thing with like the Yankees in baseball. But when the Red Sox, but when the Red Sox were ever really enough, good, though, man, if they win enough, eventually, it's the good old Batman, you know, adage, right? <laughs> I guess maybe yeah. you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I feel like I consistently see it in football, but I don't see it as much in other sports. But I guess it is true to some extent in other sports. Um, I guess whenever the Red Sox, I felt like whenever the Red Sox were really, really good, I didn't feel like I would hate the Red Sox. But maybe I'm wrong because I was on the inside looking out when I lived in yeah, Boston. Yeah, you were a part that, of like so. the Boston world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. maybe that is just true in sports in general. I guess that's like a little bit weird. Way to, I mean, I know like people hated the Patriots and people hate Brady. Um, and they try and like, you know, deflate gate and do all that stuff. Do everything they can. To <laughs> yeah. di- they, people will do everything they can to discredit someone's success. To dethrone the one on top. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of crazy. I don't know. I just like watching, watching greatness or just watching really good games is just like what I'm kind of here for. Like, yeah. I'm just a fan of like that's why that game was like so cool for me personally to watch. It was just like such a good. It wasn't like yeah, quite, like I don't understand the game enough to like understand like the the bad plays I guess so much. But it was just uh, it was overtime, bro. I love overtime. When we go to overtime, that's more game. Let's get it. It's close. Like it was hype, man. Just exciting. It's a great football game. Yeah. Uh, but enough about that. This is not a football, not a sports podcast. This is a Pokemon TCG podcast. And we did have a TCG regionals this weekend, like Azul was mentioning. You know, he did recast it, restream it, not recast, restreamed it. Uh, but yeah, over in Dortmund in Germany, there was 1,348 players. Pretty large event for Europe at this point. But I mean, it, like we've said, it's kind of becoming the norm. Um and yeah we can look at the day one and day two meta not really a big surprise to see basically where anything landed here what do you think is for the day one meta um yeah not really i guess like one of the big questions was like where would tina versus moon go um Guardi did make his way up to the 10 percent, which is like i feel like something we've been predicting going into every higher, european yeah. regionals we're like okay Guardi should be a little bit more popular a little bit more popular and then at, at the last time i was like i don't know man maybe it's just gonna be you know, but it's still made away. I don't think it's going to be like a breaking 10 anytime soon, though. But, um, yeah, Charizard being the most popular deck, but coming down a little bit, just a little bit, though, from like the 17 18 down to the 16. Tina was the second most popular deck here, which is not a big surprise. Um, Roy Moon hype down down a little bit, you know, Guardi hype up a little bit because you know, it does have that good matchup into the moon and the Charizard feels like a really good play right now, yeah. Um, and then the Lost Box, a little bit more popular than I guess I expected, but I guess it did have a little bit of hype of it around it, leaving. Knoxville, I don't know if that had a huge impact on that or not. Um, I actually feel like over in Europe, we see a lot more success of like different Lost Box builds, like the the Running Cameraman, uh, Roaring Moon, Sable Zard, or like the Glasses build came from Europe, I think, initially. Yep, um, did. I think Magnus Peterson got another top 32, or got another <clears throat> day two, got a top 32 finish here alongside the top eight in Liverpool. And then Maridon's still kind of just hanging on there down there at the end um so yeah nothing too shocking i guess i haven't seen i guess maybe i'm a little bit surprised to not see mew in the top six maybe not surprised but it's right there at number seven so it's like not far right yeah and then if we look at day two mew did make it into the the um 
the top six. It was the sixth most popular deck in day two of the tournament. And Roaring Moon surging all the way up to first here, having a solid conversion rate. Another one, Gardevoir having a good conversion rate going from 10% day one up to 15 in day number two. Um, so yeah, still a lot of Moon, still a lot of Guardian in this tournament. And Lost Box, another deck converted pretty well into day two. Yeah, so yeah, once again, nothing too crazy, nothing too shocking. I feel like Moon has kind of established itself as like, all right, I'm going to be a top six deck probably moving forward. I think the only real question is, will we see a bounce back from Maridon, Um, Or we still, will we see it to maybe slowly slip further away and see Mew kind of come back into it? But if you, I feel like it'll be tough for Mew to like, you got to deal with the Charizard. Mew's got to deal with Charizard, Gardevoir, and now Roaring Moon has become like a, a, I guess a mainstay or whatever you want to call it in the top half of the meta. So I don't think Mew is going to be not really room for Mew to make that bounce back. I guess maybe there's some, then maybe there's an opportunity though, or one of the decks that did make the finals to like to break its way back into the top six. Well, I guess Golden Ghost never been there before, but Chi and Pao could make its way back up there, I guess. Yeah. And speaking of the Chi and Pao, and I mean, looking at these top decks from day two, neither of the decks that made it to the finals are listed in the top six here of the day two meta. And it was the Chi and Pao backscalibur and. Golden Go making it to the finals. Chimpow did come away with the win. It was Owen Cameraman, I believe, getting his first regional victory. I'm pretty sure, right? First major dub, yeah. I think it yeah, is. Yeah, first, first major I actually dub. Just, yeah, I just went through and looked at it. Um, and I mentioned in my chat the other day, someone pointed out that he did win London Open Blue, but I was like, that's just a big league cup. So, yeah, that does not yeah. Count. <laughs> there's usually yeah. pretty good players in those open tournaments, but it's not. Of course, like... yeah. And especially, like... I guess, specifically at London Open because the London Open was during top eight. So there's really only, uh, it was that the, at that world's like the majority of the world's competitors got to play in that tournament. So, yeah, yeah. It was a little bit more competitive of an Open than there usually is for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, he didn't win anything for it, right? No, yeah. no cash, uh, you know, some championship points towards the next season. But, I mean, I'm sure if you ask him to compare the two tournaments, Dortmund was definitely the more difficult <laughs> event to win, and Dortmund was definitely the more meaningful one as well, getting a first-place finish. Yeah, and has been, like, close to a dub quite a few times. This is the first finals, I think. But, like, I beat Owen in OCIC top four. Yeah. Um, and has a couple other top fours as well. Um, actually, I don't even know if Owen has it. I'm looking, like, through and through the, looking through the page. Had a top eight in 21-22 in Lil. A lot of them are top fours, to be honest. So it's like really, really yeah. been really, really close to the finals. Um, Bilbo special event, uh, Lil, another top four is a top four, and uh, Lil again actually was this like apparently, <laughs> apparently Owen gets top eight at Lil every time. It's three three seasons in a row, top eight of Lil regionals, two of them top fours, <laughs> um, and now yeah, gets finally this the the big win here in Dortmund with the Chien Pao, which is a deck that a lot of people have written off pretty aggressively um and i've always kind of been saying that i think the deck is still just fine i think it's fine i think it's one of the not the hardest decks to play in the format but one of the most punishing you make a mistake with chi and pow and you're really yeah. feeling it like, yeah. instantly um so i think it's one of the most punishing decks in the format for for mistakes and um i think the meta initially with paradox rift was tough with it because of the maridon matchup but we just looked at like the top six decks maridon's still there but it's okay to take a tough matchup to a top eight deck right um so or a eight percent deck excuse me it's okay to take a tough matchup to an eight percent deck that doesn't seem to be having uh the strongest showings recently uh, i guess like the one question mark i've had for gm power recently is just i just don't know how good of a i just don't know how good of a uh, roaring moon matchup you have 
Um, I have no clue to be honest, but um, did not stop Owen from getting to the finals and taking <clears throat> taking the whole thing down. It looks like. Yeah, I can't imagine the moon matchup is amazing. Um, let's actually take a look at. It might not be terrible though. Like you still have like if you just you have like the comeback route with the hands, you can go like. Depends if the more Peko hits the field, you can. Oh, also you have like the Greninja KO. Greninja well, why worry KO about it if you only you. play against one through the whole tournament? <laughs> yeah, and did get the dub against the one, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's the dub. Um, played against a little bit of everything, it looks like here as well. Some yeah, Tinas, a lot of Giratina, some Maridons, three Maridons, actually. Zard, yeah, Maridon. Urshifu lost to the Urshifu, lost That's to the tough. Mew. Also a tough one. Yeah, I think those are ones that make sense. Obviously, beat a Kyogre and beat Magnus, it looks like. Not a Kyogre. It's uh, it's the glasses. Oh, yeah, yeah, Magnus, yeah, yeah. The Kyogre's a troll Kyogre's just a placeholder. Yeah, Kyogre's the placeholder. Hit the Chien Pao mirror in round two. Yeah, Chien Pao mirror. Um, um, but yeah, pretty normal. I mean, yeah, played. A there's a lot of decks in the format. He played against a lot of different decks, so it kind of makes sense. Um, and and yeah, I mean, the... I think... The, I don't know. What do you think about... The hands versus no hands build because there's been some American players that have still been pretty, you know, consistently playing the Chien Pao, not playing the Iron Hands. Obviously, we do see the Iron Hands in this list. He also does have cross switchers as well. No canceling cologne. I think like you either play cologne or hands. You probably don't play both. It's yeah. like a lot to fit in there. I don't know. What are your thoughts? No, yeah, I think it's I mean, and thinking back as well, I guess, to the list we played at LAIC. I mean, this feels like it's I mean, probably like five cards different, right? We've had the cross switchers, or we didn't have cross switchers, and then like, other than that, like the second, the third Chien Pao, um, I think it's probably yeah. about five cards different. Yeah, it's like close because there's like two of the cross switchers become what Iron Bundle and Counter Catcher, and then yeah, actually, honestly, I don't even know what the difference. Rod, I second Iono, second Iono, um, so pretty close to a. So I mean, I think hands is probably just correct. Um, we see like this build here from. Owen also has the cross switchers in there. Like I said, it's not too far off from like the whatever, uh, whatever we played at LAIC. Um, but yeah, some of the American lists recently have gone back to like the two, the two canceling cologne, and it just seems I don't know. Hands is just so good. I just like it's like you're trying to do the same thing, but Hands just does it more consistently and just does it better. It feels like. Um, but I mean, it's, I feel like the the canceling cologne. If you pull off the canceling cologne combo, it's more like it's going to give you a stronger lead. Like it's going to do like it's, you're going to win those games more often, but the chance that you do that is just like so much less than the hands happening. It just doesn't feel the worth the trade off. I mean, also like the matchups that, I mean, to me, I think the main matchup that the play is good against, like it's pretty good against lost box, but the one that it comes up most often in has feels like it has to be Gardevoir, right? Yeah. And if you hands against Gardevoir, I mean, I guess the, the thing is against Gardevoir, you're more pressured to hands quickly but if yeah. you can get the turn two hands, that thing is usually going to take four prizes. Like they are going to have a and, hard yeah. time responding to it right away. And that's probably just going to win you the game, right? Yeah, the thing about Greninja is you have three turns to set up the play, right? Yeah, you have a little bit more time to like pull off the Greninja thing. And even towards the late game, you can still do it because they can go. And once they set up a Shiny Arcana and they KO a Jin Pao, like depending on how much damage they have to put on it, you can still go like bring up the Manaphy, Greninja, KO that Gardevoir plus a Curlia, the Manaphy plus the Gardevoir, the Manaphy plus a Curlia, like you still have like things you can snipe. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for that matchup for sure is just the lack of Avery now, I think. Like um, a lot of people fair, aren't yeah. playing Avery um, and are cutting down on it quite a bit. Um, except for, I, I think actually James, I think played double Avery. 
Um, I think James actually played the double Avery. So it was uh, probably more so of a, like, I assume the reason that James played the double Avery was probably for mirror match more so than anything. It was like, guard is a really good play now or, or right now. And because of that, I'm just going to go ahead and play the Averys for that that matchup. Because yeah. Avery's not as strong as it once was because it was, like, really good against Chi and Pouch, really good against mirror match. And, like, going to LAIC, those are, like, two of the top three decks, if I remember correctly. It was, like, Zar, Chi and Pao, Guardi. Um is like what everyone was thinking of. Well, I think yeah. people were thinking less of Gardevoir, but, but it ended up Gardevoir like... ended up dominating the tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's maybe why James was thinking with the the double Avery was just like taking for the mirror because of how powerful Guardi seemed right now. Yeah, um, and does kind of collateral Chi and Pao, but most other Guardi players are not playing very many, if any, Averys. Uh, right now, which is like the the big thing that Chi and Pao kind of could struggle against. It allowed Guardian to make those those big comebacks. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Hans is probably just correct. Um, I don't know for sure. Another uh, Chi and Pao enjoyer, um, Kieran Farah, uh, who I played against round one of day two of Knoxville, was on the hands as well. So also a believer in the hands right now. But we've seen some different takes as well. Like we said, Reagan, I think Lucas were doing the canceling clone thing still. If I'm not wrong, if I'm not. Yes. Just remembering, we just saw we just saw Regulus. I don't know about Lucas, but so yeah, uh, it still seems Lucas. to be split in general among uh, top Chi and Pound joyers. Seems to be a little bit split. Yeah, Lucas was playing the cross switchers and the single canceling clone. Uh, but oh, yeah, cool. I would. I mean, my tendency would also be to lean towards the Iron Hands. Um, just gives you it gives you a good attacker as well against Charizard, I feel like, because, like, the early turns against Charizard is Chien It's already, like, a pretty good matchup, right? But uh, it gives you a way to take two prize cards without, like, having to ag- aggressively find cross-switchers immediately yeah. uh, to keep you on that 2-2-2 two, two, two prize trade. And, yeah, and then in other matchups... If you do that as Chien you pretty much always win that matchup. And other matchups, too, like the Murata matchup or, like, the Roaring Moon matchup, you can yeah. create three prize cards out of their Squawk ability, right? Yeah. Or something like that, where it's, like, yeah. normally you can't make that happen. You can't just create a prize card by playing Cancel Clone in those matchups. So it gives you more flexibility and more matchups for sure. But perhaps the bigger surprise, I mean, Chien Pao winning, maybe a little bit uh, of a surprise. You know, it hasn't. Yeah, depending on how much of a hater you were you well kind of had to... recently. But <laughs> I think without a doubt, the bigger surprise has to be sure. the fact that Golden Go EX made it to the finals. Now, I do have to say, we did multiple predictions for multiple tournaments before this one that involved Golden Go, you know, how high we thought it would place. And I was committed to the top eight for two tournaments in a row. Nobody could quite come through with it. We didn't do a Golden Go prediction for this tournament. And what do you know? Makes it to the finals. <laughs> Makes it to the finals. It was the only Golden Go in day two, I believe, as well. So only Golden Go in day two, all the way to the finals. Um, definitely a... Uh... Definitely a surprise. Definitely a little bit of a, I don't know about a shock. Um, overcame some, I would say, tough matchups. Like, I think Golden Go is is unfavored against Tina and Gardvor. Um, but we see the path to victory. Quite a few Gardvors. Only one Tina, Benjamin Pham, in the top four. Um, and able to overcome all of that. Also beat Alessandro with the control, yeah, which seems tough, tough as too. well. Um, I don't know if Alessandro played Mimikyu, though, I guess. Because, like, the big thing when I look at that, it would be like, okay, you have to attack with Greninja, like, a lot if they have, like, Mimikyu with a Bravery Charm and then, like, recover and put a Bravery Charm on it or, like, Penny Loop it. Um, and then if you have Greninja in play, you if you if they force you into the Greninja through the Mimikyu, then you just Snorlax trap the Greninja for the game and you just win that way. But this build of control 
little bit less of everything to make up for having a lot more of other things. So definitely can have some more fluky games um, than kind of something like the Cal Connor control that um, there's kind of like the difference is like the, the Pidgey control versus like the straight quad Snorlax control. And like this one is definitely less consistent. You just have more things though. Your opponent has to play around more stuff because you have more stuff. Um, but sometimes you just want more of a couple stuff. Yeah. Um, Alessandro's build here that we're looking at does have the Radiant Charizard and the Chi UEX with the fire yeah. energy in here, making those, you know, potential attackers. Does have the Pidgeot line in here as well with the double turbo energies, the Mawile to tempting Luxray. traps and stuff, Luxray. There's a lot of different things going on here. Yeah, the the whole the whole the whole squad in here for sure yeah so i feel like that's probably like i mean see i feel like if you drew well with this build i feel like you should be beating golden go just based on mimikyu basically um but yeah once again like it feels like uh yeah was able to overcome a couple tough a couple tough matchups but it was able to get there all the way to the finals yeah um and then only came up a little bit short to uh owen in the end and those are some pretty interesting games as well the finals had some definitely some back and forth um, I think definitely some blunders on both ends, um, but definitely some like, uh, you know, both players kind of camp a little bit short a couple times throughout the match as well and had to like piece stuff together as well. So it's a very interesting matchup. And I guess like another thing, it also did play the double Avery um, or just Avery in general, which is like really bad for Chi and Pao to go up against. But there was never actually that it never actually happened in the game where there was like a really good Avery opportunity. Yeah. To, like kind of take board control and be like, well, now you have to get rid of like. You know, fridge backs and hope I don't have double cross switcher for your back scalibur or get rid of your second B barrel. Now I can rock sand you next turn plus double cross switcher B barrel. Yeah. Um, was never really able to develop those super powerful plays around the Avery's, but um, yeah, those are also like the the good cards in that matchup for sure. So had it basically all the pieces for it, I wasn't able to quite put it together at the end. Yeah, I think another aspect of this deck to talk about, um, you know, Golden Go is not it's obviously not bad right you know made it to the finals it's a functioning deck you know this list <laughs> has a lot of you know different plays you can do which is really cool the palkia the greninja stuff like that um but when you compare it to some of the other decks in the format like the charizards like the roaring moons you know it definitely feels like it might be a little bit less consistent maybe has a little bit worse matchups against some of the other things in the format um so to get to that point, I mean, you've got to be putting yourself in really good positions consistently, right? Like you've got to be playing pretty sharp throughout the tournament. So, you know, got to give some props there to to Jill for uh, getting to the finals here because you have to imagine, uh, you know, I mean, you to make it really far with a deck like this, like you've got to be on top of your game for most of the day. Yeah, and I believe uh, I believe the name, is, the name is pronounced Yella. 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 Yeah. Excuse my American. <laughs> i think the j in general is pronounced like a y in europe just across the board probably in like most countries outside of america might just be outside america yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah yeah i i mean this doesn't really change my perspective of golden go too much uh at all to be honest like when we when i even watched the games that yellow was playing in with the deck it was like well this is functioning like golden go and kind of had to scrape it together a couple times um that, um, and there was like a, there was like especially like one match specifically I think with against Nico where like Nico definitely could have come out on top in that one, um, but struggled to put it together put it together overall in game one, um, had a couple of missteps so yeah definitely uh, definitely doesn't change my perspective of the deck uh, maybe it even maybe that's like a new tier that people should categorize decks as functioning decks um, <laughs> I think Golden Go does fit that like it's not bad but like it's not like you know it's not a Charizard it's not a Gardevoir it's not a Lostina it's not as powerful as those decks. And um, uh, yeah, it doesn't really change my perspective on the deck too much at all. Um, but it's still cool to see it make it to the finals. It's cool to see that um, it make its way there. I think there's like actually a couple decks in general that was kind of cool to see 
um, make their way into like reasonable runs. We saw Mateus back at it with like the Bennett, and then there was a uh, Tyler Matthews Ente build that got ninth place actually. Literally um, the same sixty. Yeah, so seeing like some consistency out of that build, especially. And actually, I played with the build today with the B barrel is so good in there. It's it's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy how much of it. Like it feels like I'm playing a completely different deck. So if you're an anti Valiant enjoyer, or you're looking to hop on the the train, play the play the Tyler Matthews build. I'm sure it's not perfect, and there could be some adjustments from there. But the B barrel is the one one B barrel in that build is definitely a game changer for sure. Let's look at the rest of the top eight here. We did have one lost Tina was Benji Fam. Uh, also, three players from the Netherlands in the top three. So <laughs> the Dutch players were definitely representing for this one. Uh, but yeah, Benji on the lost Tina. Nothing super crazy in this list. Nothing does have crazy. the escape rope. I know you're not a big fan of that card in Lost Tina. Nope, not a big fan of it. Um, but is there? If it's like a, it's a, it's like okay, it's very okay. But yeah, yeah. Just uh, the three water. One of. I don't like the three path. I do. I really do not like. The more the more I've like seen players play Tina. Whenever I watch someone play a Tina list with four path, it just looks so much like that. Feels like I feel I I recognize the difference when I'm watching it. Like when you see a Tina player who plays three path. They're constantly stressing about taking the path or loss owning a path. And then when they're about <laughs> to play a path, they're stressing about, should I play this path now? But then I don't have a path later. You see someone with four path and they're like, loss on a path, play a path, loss on a path, play a path. They're just like going through it so much more impactful on the game. So I really, I really like, don't like that. But besides that, you know, it's pretty much straightforward, Tina, right? The Avery's in there, but it makes sense that like Guardi being such a uh, expected successful deck, which it was, right? Three Guardies in the, uh, the top eight. Um, <clears throat> uh, we had. Gabriel Smart from America, James Cox from Australia, and then uh, Rowan from Canada. So no European guardies, actually. No European guardies in the uh, in the top eight. Um, all the foreigners coming over and uh, <laughs> claiming some top eight guardy slots. Um, and uh, they're all a little bit different. Nothing too crazy. Rowan's still on, like, the no VIP pass. Um, they all had Turo in them. They all had Turo. That is something I noticed. 84% of Guardi players had Turo. They were prepared for the Mawile, for yep. sure. I mean, it's not only good against Mawile, but it is good against Mawile. <laughs> it is definitely very good against Mawile. Um, it has its other uses as well. And, like, Rowan specifically has, like, been playing Turo for forever. But looks like all the other Guardi players are like, well, do I really want to lose to Mawile? Not really. Let's play the Turo. Yeah, 84% with the Turo. Yeah, pretty high percentage there. Um, there was more people not on the battle VIP pass as well. It does feel like, you know, battle VIP pass overall has been still the more consistent pick, but Rowan was not the only one to not play VIP pass in day two. It looked like, yeah, I'm not sure who else it was yet. Nico, Nico had like them the... in the top 16 list here. Yeah. Majority of people played them. I think there was maybe one person who had three. Okay. Um, yeah. The three, the three battle, battle VIP pass enjoyers. They're out there. <laughs> moonlit hill and a couple of these lists that's that is i guess something to mention none of the top eight lists played the moonlit hill right oh, oh, no, Gabriel did. smart yeah. had it yeah smart had the the moonlit hill other players opting not to i don't know, it just seems like i guess like is it better than collapsed oh gabriel probably had not three VIP oh pack. there it is there yeah. it is uh yeah i don't know how to feel about that to be honest i don't know it just feels weird although a b barrel charizard list that i worked on recently i somehow ended up with three vip pass in it and it felt correct so that's like it's like weird i don't know um but yeah the moonlit hill i don't know is it better than collapsed no is it better than artisan i'm not sure 
is it better than second artisan probably but like the slot that people have been playing over the second artisan has generally been a vacuum which has like other use cases besides just a stadium and then generally if we see a fourth stadium bump it is that worker like we see here in smarts list and I don't know. Yeah, is the Moonlit Hill better than the vacuum? I don't know. Uh, maybe it's probably meta dependent, right? Depends. If there's a little bit less around. Mew. The va- I mean, I think the main plus of the vacuum is for the Mew matchup um, to get rid of that box of disasters. It is yeah, true. pretty decent against Maridon as well, but both of those decks have been down in play. Your Maridon matchup is already pretty bad. So Maridon's not even playing Path anymore, so it's like not even like it's like just there for the Bravery Charms now as well. Um, but I feel like no, that's not a huge EXP impact. EXP share is what I was thinking. Oh, true. I guess, yeah, EXP share is fair. That's fair for sure. Yeah, even then, it doesn't feel like that's like the big impact on the matchup. You need to be pulling out some like huge. Yeah, yeah, you're losing to that matchup plays. most of the time anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, maybe vacuum is just kind of not worth it. Right now. I mean, I mean it, seems like, it seems worth it if you can include it, right? Because it allows you to extend your damage. I was, wondering, I was wondering if there could be like a more aggressive list that just like was trying to attack super quickly, like heavier candy, something like that. Like that's like where I feel like Moonlit Hill could come into play because it gets you another psychic in the discard pile. It lets you get another psychic on the guy. Um, maybe if you were trying to be more aggressive, like with an, another Zashin, something like that. But like you just don't need to hit for that much damage against anything that fast. So yeah, I think I saw like a a list from Japan when Moonlit Hill first released that had like thirteen basic psychic. Yeah, like two that's Moonlit kind of Hill. the line I was thinking with it. Um, also, Moonlit Hill seems like it's really good against Tina as well, to be honest. Um, yeah, that would... is another thing, too. Gabe did not play Cresselia, which is normally a card that yeah. is really good against Giratina and Lost Box in general. Uh, but Moonlit Hill kind of does similar things. It's not an attacker. Yeah. It doesn't set up energies on your bench Pokemon. So there's like some downsides to it, but it allows you to like attack with a scream tail that turn maybe attack with the Zacian. i don't know it lets you have a more aggressive attacker as opposed to cresselia right and that's what i think we've been seeing like people pick between is like jirachi or cresselia that's what like it seems like the high-end guardy players are picking between like sure. we see a Tord and gustavo most recently not playing the cresselia if we look at rowan's list i think rowan has both Rowan's not playing battle vip pass so rowan has a little bit more has room more in the deck. oh no scream tail but rowan doesn't like playing the scream tail uh, which that blows my mind, but <laughs> I mean, it's been working out. So, um, so I guess Rowan's picking between Cresselia and Screamtail. It almost feels like here, but yeah, I think what we've seen is like from the higher end Guardi players is they've been picking between Jirachi and Cresselia. And it feels like, I don't know, like it feels like Cresselia is the better of the two against Tina for that early game pressure. Uh, it feels like giving that, getting that extra, attacking option in the early game of the Cresselia into the Tina matchup feels really, And it's really something that's strong. super annoying for them to KO, like... Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, But then you do kind of miss the Jirachi towards the mid-late game as well. I think we saw that. I think I saw that come up, like, specifically uh, James against uh, Benjamin uh, in the top eight match. It's like, it's like, the Cresselia was great for James, but it's like James definitely was missing the Jirachi towards the end of the game as well. So, like, playing both obviously is best. I feel like maybe one reason people are leaning a little bit more towards the Jirachi right now is because of the other Lost Box very Lost Box variants that are going around. They want the um, they want the the protection from the Jirachi in the late game because a lot of these Lost Box builds are playing like Iron Hands and stuff, right? So yeah. they're not even going in with Cram early. If you Cresselia into an Iron Hands, you're losing the game. So you got to like KO that. But then if you KO that with a Shiny Arcana, the the comeback of the Sableye can be tough to deal with. So um, yeah, you can't play everything. Um, but it feels like with how popular Tina is, it feels like, and especially how many great players are playing Tina, it feels like you'd want to go towards having this Cresselia over the Jirachi, but we see it kind of split. Um, and yeah, people are like picking their picking their small squad to run with, and it's not always like the same. People are making some different choices. 
And then we got two more decks in top eight to talk about. We got Stan Nilsson here with a Sable Zard deck with the Roaring Moon. Is playing the four Mirage Gate, so, you know, similar to that Cameraman list. Oh, it might literally just what be do you Cameraman know? 60. It is the same yeah. 60 as, as <laughs> yeah. Brendan Cameraman's list. Yeah, literally the camera. Another top four for the Cameraman 60. Did Brendan get top four at LAIC? Was it top eight? Close he got close top to that. four. Um, but that's definitely, we see it's a different 60 than yeah. what was played at LAIC. Um, but yeah, Cameraman's been tearing it up oh, with this build. You got top eight, sorry. For the miss. Oh, no, um, Can't yeah, and then recently straight. Liverpool got top four. And then yeah, Nielsen here getting a top four. And this is like a not a widely adopted build of Lost Box either. Like people are just not picking this build up at all. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if it's worth picking up. Like, I don't know if this is like that much better than everything else. Honestly, every time I pick up a lost pile deck, they all just feel very okay. Like they're all just okay, they're all fine nothing special it's got the hand it's like the dean nazim build or like the glasses build or like this build or the kyogre build it's like eh, they're all pretty good but none of them feel like a step above kind of like kyogre felt uh like pre-worlds um kyogre pre-worlds felt like different but all the lost piles like those paradox rift all feel about the same they're just different <clears throat> i don't know hard to and categorize the last, one above the rest last unique deck here is the Mew VMAX. Good old Mew. It wouldn't be a European tournament if we didn't find a Mew VMAX list in the top eight. Yeah, and uh, Arnie, I believe, was the, the first player he locked up into a top eight slot. It was like 12-1-1 or something. Had like 37 match points. Going after round 14, uh, it was kinda, I was kind of kind of crazy. I was looking, I was like, man, they're, they're first seed right now. Imagine they just like literally win. Imagine that would have been too much. So if Mew had won back-to-back <laughs> major tournaments in uh, Europe, especially when it's like not that popular of a deck overall, um, that would have been, yeah, it would have been too much for, it would have been too much to be honest. So, you know, for Europe's sake, I'm glad that Mew did not get another dub here to be honest, because the memes would have been too strong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but a top eight, yeah, Mew still, still kicking still knocking around out there but yeah that was the the top eight decks definitely the two in the finals most interesting ones you already mentioned uh matthias here on the Entei iron valiant same 60 that tyler matthews got top eight with the other weekend any other day two decks any other matches that you saw on the stream that were interesting worth talking about there was no. a dialga deck in top 32 there was the dialga deck um lost on dialga something that's something right there <laughs> that's definitely i don't know what to think about it the lack of roxanne is interesting because i feel like that'd be like a pretty powerful card in this deck but you are like a pretty the heavy comeback camo deck. poncho okay you gotta protect the dialga bro you gotta protect the dialga can't let them just be bossing it <laughs> um and then has like the ionos in there i like ionos is still pretty good like him especially if you're falling that far behind i imagine this deck is falling pretty far behind so the iono is still going to be good enough um, that's definitely an interesting one for sure is the Dialga. I don't know what to think about that, to be honest. Came in at 6-2-1 in today, too. Lost round 10, unfortunately. Had a chance to win out, but looks like tied at Gardevoir in the last round. Yeah, it was it was getting up there. It was getting close. That would have been a top 16 finish, it looks like. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I forget these tournaments in Europe. Are, I'm used to, like, 34 being, you know, chill for Europe, but <laughs> it's not the case anymore. <laughs> uh, and then there was uh, Mateus's Bonnet deck at, like, 31st. Uh, that was uh, interesting. We've seen Mateus play this before um, and yep. do pretty well. Um, I played it a little bit on stream today. It's pretty cool. The next school for sure. I think it's like pretty good into a, a decent amount of matchups. I've always um, thought this card had a little bit more potential than people 
uh, Dude, I was credit for this card's pretty decent. Speaking of that, I don't think there's room in the deck for it to be honest. And I honestly, melodic might be better. I mean, but for I was like, anyone who's listening, not watching, I'm talking about the oh, Bennett yeah. from Lost Origins that has puppet offerings to let you bring a supporter back from your discard pile with the trade off of Lost zoning the Bennett. Yeah, that Bennett. Uh, I was thinking that's like a one one in. Um, <clears throat> as a one one in. Golden Go seemed kind of cool because he could recover your Roxanne or your boss or a worker or an Avery, but maybe a melodic is just a little bit better than one with melodic. But overall, no one's playing the melodic anymore. So yeah. maybe it's just best to not play any of them. But uh, yeah, this is a really cool Bennett EX build here from Mateus. Like I said, seen it before with the Guardian line in there as well. Uh, tried it out on stream a little bit today myself. And yeah, the deck's cool. The deck's definitely cool. So if you're looking for something fresh, then this is like the the way to go right now, I think for sure. Feels like you've got like a lot of different ways to win the game with this deck, which yeah. is cool for sure. You can take six prize definitely, cards, you can deck your opponent out, you can stick something active. There's a lot of things you can do. Definitely a steep learning curve for sure to the deck, for sure. Like there's a lot, of, lot to learn about all of its matchups, but that's kind of like, I mean, if you don't enjoy that part of Pokemon, then I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I hope you enjoy that part of Pokemon, like learning a deck and learning how it functions. Some people just oh. like showing up with, you know, Maridon or Roaring Moon and knocking stuff That's out, true. right? That's true. Don't need to learn anything. Just another <laughs> KO. <laughs> what do you think about where Snorlax is kind of sitting right now? There's still a couple here in the top 16, top 32, you know, like it had an overall OK tournament, I would say, but it hasn't been. I guess was it really dominating like i mean i don't know it was such a bigger part of the top level of the metagame it felt like than it is maybe right now actively where we are i think a lot has to do with the meta shift like roaring moon got more popular lost on decks are getting more popular um tina as well has had its oh, tina's already had like kind of its popularity boost um and then uh i think like i mean this tournament specifically all the guardies played turo so it's not like an auto loss if Gardevoir has Turo as Snorlax, but it's a lot tougher for sure. So, yeah, I think it's just like kind of the meta shifting around where it was, it was definitely a better play a little while ago. Uh, it's definitely becoming a worse play. Um, yeah, becoming quite a bit worse of a play as we're kind of moving forward throughout the the what is it the the la later half of this meta? Are we about yeah. over halfway through? Um, but there's still some some stuff to happen. Like, I mean, if Golden Go and Baxcalibur could become popular. I don't think either of them will become super popular. I could see Baxcalibur becoming a you know top six meta graphic deck in the next major tournament. And I guess we'll find out not too long because like Utrecht is in what two weeks, and that's the next major one coming up, I think. Yeah, Utrecht um, in yeah, it's the second, third weekend in February. Yeah, so that's coming or, up. Or uh, March, excuse me. March, yeah, first weekend of March, so not too far away. We'll see how the, the meta shakes up. I think by the time we get to Vancouver, a lot of stuff could change for sure, which is the next North American major tournament. But between now and then, there's like, I don't even know. There's quite a few events. We got a Latin American event. We got Utrecht. Um, actually, it might just be those two, to be honest. Utrecht, Latin America. Yeah, and then Vancouver after that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, two more events before then. Be like, so Vancouver's a ways off, but definitely time for plenty of stuff to shake up. Yeah, and before we know it, it's going to be over, too. I mean, it is still six weeks of the format, or I guess eight weeks, but, like, in six weeks, it'll be the new set. Like, the weekend of Vancouver, the new Finally. set comes out. So that'll be exciting. And I always hate that there's tournaments scheduled, like, the weekend that a new set comes out, because 
yeah. everyone's moved past it you know like nobody like cares it's bad for viewership it's yeah. bad for just like it's just like poor timing overall it feels like i feel like that's something that is worth i think we're at the point in the game where that kind of stuff is worth fine-tuning like schedule wise yeah. like vancouver should be the week before it should be like the 16th 17th yeah, yeah. the week before the major set release the major set release honestly dude you know what i mean i mean for content ideas out there like pokemon should host like some show matches with the new set release of like top players like playing the new cards that would be sick like imagine like they do a show match weekend or one day like saturday mm -hmm. sunday where they're like like have just good players playing new decks uh and like kind of a show match invitational style tournament um like that'd be sick or even maybe the week before you i see you could do it. you could do the 30 31st stuff like that so. well last year charlotte regionals was right before uh euic it was like the weekend charlotte regionals i think was like three weeks before it was like after pre-releases had happened but i don't think the set was out i don't remember exactly but the set might have been out but pre-releases had definitely already started happening so we were able to like for the production get hand our hands on a few cards and i think the set had officially come out because i remember picking up it feels like it is always out i like cards it every time yeah, i'm pretty sure it was out because every time there's a major set release i Maybe contemplate like fort wayne though i contemplate like not going to the major tournament like every time like i thought about like not like, i'm not i'm gonna go to vancouver but like i thought for a second i was like should i just not go to vancouver and just stream the new set like um but you know it's a quick turnaround for me from vancouver back home so yeah i'll be back sunday and be streaming back up with it i mean i'll do like my, my and you'll get to stream Thursday. leading up to the tournament with the new set too because the new set will come out on tcg live like on thursday right so yeah 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 it'll be out on thursday and then um, but what we got our hands on some of the cards and I was able to build like a Maridon Regielecki deck. Like, so I was able, like, I, I did a segment, I was like hosting that weekend, not casting. So I did a segment on like the new format coming up and like, this is a deck that people like are talking about, you know, could this deck be good? Stuff like that. Uh, so I think like anytime we can incorporate new cards, we've tried to, but there's always like some tricky stuff going on there. Yeah, but yeah, I think fine-tuning the tournament schedule would be a good thing to, like... I mean, I'm sure that's, like, something that's... Well, I hope it's something that's, like, being talked about and discussed. Yeah. It's like, the idea of that, like, okay, maybe we shouldn't have a major tournament the weekend of a set release. Let's try and get that the weekend before, um, if we can, consistently. You know, because they have all those dates. I'm sure they have all those dates, like, now for, like, all the set releases for the next year, right? They already know all that, so they can already kind of, like, put that in motion. I don't... Maybe it's not something they've ever thought about being concerned with, I think it makes sense to try and, you know, put on, you know, just, it's just good for production. It's good for viewership, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. And then maybe even look to do something eventually at some point, or, you know, um, you know, I'm going to be in Vancouver. Uh, I think Mahone's going to try and be in Vancouver. I'm sure the Pokemon company would prefer if I was streaming the new set over the weekend of the new set release on PDCG live, as well as someone like Mahone. So, you know, it only helps them out as well if they shift things around like that. Well, let's recap you. our predictions that we had going into Dortmund. Uh, the first one was highest placing new Paldean Fates card. And we actually need to fact check this. I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Owen, dude. Owen so our prediction, our prediction play. before you, before we say this, our go prediction ahead, was ahead. highest placing new Paldean Fates card. Azul predicted Frigibax. I predicted oh. Crisis Punch. Frigibax ends up being a pretty good guess because Baxcalibur got first place, but one problem, there was no new Frigibax in Owen's list. <laughs> I know, and Owen even tweeted out after the tournament, why didn't someone tell me there was a new 
Jim Max. And also in the finals, there was a situation where Owen needed to double cross or something up to stall and sacrifice a Frigibax in the same turn. Um, and Owen got to go search out a Frigibax on that turn as well. And the 70 HP Frigibax was in Owen's deck. So it should have been, it should have been the other Frigibax. And then you, and then Owen should have used collect on that turn. Cause Owen was like dead drawing and needed to like stall out for a turn. Um, but it didn't, uh, it happened because Owen did not play the correct Frigibacks. And because of that, it is me <laughs> that comes away with the win. We had several people in day two playing the Crisis Punch. A lot None of them, them actually. doing incredible. We had a 40th place finish here from Maxime uh, with a, it looks like a, what, a glasses build. Yeah, yeah. it is a glasses build of Lost Box. And then Frigibacks. Close. Thomas with the 61st place finish. Maxime had just like lost their last round or something like that. Then, <laughs> uh, was it 62nd? It would have been one place behind <laughs> the uh, Frigibags. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, almost lined up for a, a good meme there, but yeah. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm not taking the L on this one. I'm giving the L to Owen on this one for not playing the optimal <laughs> collect Frigibags. Um, so close, so close. Our next prediction was the number of Spiritum that would be in top eight. We did an over under. We set the line at uh, at two point five. And looking at lists that played it, there were two, and then one in ninth place. So it was two copies oh. in top eight. We did both take the under, but it was pretty close. Hey, we set a pretty good line there. Yeah, that was a close one there for sure. Almost, almost had the third Spirit Tomb. Was there any other decks that would have even played Spirit Tomb in top eight, though? I don't think so, right? Yeah, I mean, people have played it in Gardevoir in the past, but it's been a little while. Like, it doesn't seem worth it in Gardevoir right yeah. now. It was worth it when it was kind of worth it when Lugia was really popular. Yeah. But, um, oh, I guess Nielsen didn't end, actually end up playing it in the Sablezard, Sablezard Roaring Moon deck. But no Spirit Tomb in there. Where's the Tomb at? Come on, cut that mall while. Let's get the Spirit Tomb in there. <laughs> and uh, then our final prediction was. Will a non-European make top cut? And it turns out... <laughs> quite a few. Quite a few did. I said yes, Azul said no, so I'm going to come away with the, the dub on that one for sure. Dude, I'm just going to give up on faith in Europe, bro. They let Mew win all the time. Plenty of foreigners in cut. Like, bro, Europe, what's going on, bro? Y'all are washed. But yeah, Dang, another L for me on the... <laughs> another L for me on the prediction. <laughs> well... Last thing about Dortmund, any major meta shifts you think that we'll see as a result of this? You know, does Chiempao winning have a major impact? It sounds like you think there's a chance it becomes a top six deck. Yeah, I mean, more people will pick it up and try it out again. I don't know. I feel like people's opinions on Chiempao are pretty solidified. Um, like, I, I like I said, I'm kind of in the middle of the road. Where I don't think it's like a like ridiculous. I think it's just another good deck. It's just a good deck. Like, um, I think people like. It has like a it has like a definitely a stigma around it that might change where people are just like oh it's a bad deck it's a clunky deck it's like I don't know have you actually like I feel like there was like that stigma around it and it's like the people who perpetuated the, perpetuated the stigma had you know maybe not the best of times with it or just don't really like the deck and then people who just had never played the deck just kind of latched onto that without ever picking it up but yeah the deck's always been like a solid deck so like I said like it winning to me is not like a huge surprise um, I think the meta shift did help it. 
Um, but it's almost like people were like kind of given up on the deck. Irrelevant of the meta, the deck is bad, is the way like people were kind of talking about Chi and Pao. Like it doesn't matter how the meta shifts, the decks are just a bad deck, but it's definitely not true. Um, I think Owen proves that a little bit here for sure. Like I said, even this result isn't like even a result like this shouldn't always like completely sway your opinion. Like I said about Yellow getting second with Golden Go. I don't think Golden Go is any better than I thought it was going into the tournament, even with Yellow getting second. So yeah, you should always still kind of trust your opinion to an extent, but um, I think we'll see a couple people change their mind a little bit about Chi and Pao at the very least. But besides that, I don't think too much is going to change, to be honest. I think Zard will come down. I think Zard will continue to come down a little You've bit. You've been saying it for weeks, man. Is it, it finally going to happen? A little bit. I mean, we have, a, we have like, I actually don't have that much time. There's two weeks between now and Utrecht. Um, I mean, but also these, the two decks that made the finals here are both bad matchups for Charizard, right? So if True. both of these decks gain even like a decent amount of popularity, you know, they become like, because what was, this is the only Golden Go in day two with Yella. I don't know how popular Chi and Pao or Golden, did they have a uh, Best of the Rest graphic? I don't or, think so. Um, I think they did. I think I remember seeing it on the stream. Oh. I don't remember what was there, but we could see Chi and Pao and like Golden Go getting up to like four or 5% decks, right? Let's um, see if I can find it real quick. Whereas I feel like they were probably quite a bit lower than that overall. Um, and by the way, I love that graphic i they should never stop doing that where they show uh basically everything else that it was the the meta share for everything else in day one um yeah i'm pretty sure they had it i don't remember the percentages for everything but it drops off pretty fast after the seventh deck it's like the seventh it does. deck it does. like mew is like like the one at what's it called was mew was like 7.7 percent or something and then it's like three percent after that's like three point something to the next deck so um you can definitely see the breaking point where it's like it goes from like a different tier of popularity index. <clears throat> There's like the top three, and then the next four, and then it drops off pretty drastically after that. And that's when you get to the more fringe decks of the meta. Tier one, tier two, tier three. It kind of lines up pretty nicely, huh? Something like that, I guess. All right. Well, that is Dortmund. Great tournament. Uh, crazy results. And we can move on to our next topic here, which is uh, something pretty exciting. You have coming up this next uh, not this weekend, but next weekend, and that is your next show match. So for anyone who doesn't know, Azul recently hosted a uh, kind of like a, you know, it's it feels like a UFC type event, you know, like, a you know, big figureheads in the community, you know, facing off against each other. There was the kind of artificial beef between uh, Bradner and artificial. Jake Gearhart. Well, maybe not artificial. I don't know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. they were clashing a little bit, right? But they yeah, it wasn't like real yeah. beef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> for yeah. sure. But it's just funny the way you said it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, Azul broadcast did really good numbers. It was one of the, I think, biggest like, uh, what would you call it? Like exhibition type matches in the history of the game. Probably just the biggest in the history of the game. And uh, you're doing another show match, Azul. Tell us about it. Yeah, so got another show match coming up. I've talked about it a couple times that I'm trying to do these things around once a month, you know, depending on how the schedule is going to break down for tournaments and other stuff going on for content, then maybe I won't be able to do it once a month every single time. Definitely not trying to do it more than once a month. But yeah, the next one I got coming up is a crew battle um, to like the most prominent, I guess, like testing groups in the game for a little while now. Um, we got... Uh, not the full group on either side, but I did want to keep it a little bit smaller and condensed, um, especially because one of the things I plan to do with this is I want to be able to listen into either side's comms and communications. And, you know, if we're looking at four or five people, it's going to be a little bit harder to uh, really hear what's going on. Um, so I decided to like condense it down to a 3v3 best of nine conquest format. 
and we've got uh, the Australians and Natalie Miller, Brent Tonneson, and James Cox, who have all had a decent amount of success recently, or quite a bit of success recently, versus John Ang, Isaiah Bradner, and Reagan Retzloff, who have also all been doing pretty well recently. I guess Reagan is like the the one who stands out who hasn't gotten a top eight this season. I don't think yet. I mean, John has a win. Bradner just got top eight at Charlotte, uh, but of yeah. course Reagan was kind of carrying the crew last season. So I think if he has a couple, a little bit of a, a little bit of a break, then that's probably fine. Um, so I'm excited for it. It's going to be best of nine conquests, like I said. So it's they're each going to pick five different decks to play, five different archetypes as a group. As a group, yeah, and they'll all be kind of piloting the decks together um, as they uh, try so and get not like five wins. Natalie versus John, yeah, Brent versus Isaiah. It's like all three against all three for one game. Exactly. They're all going to be together the whole time, talking through plays, discussing which deck to send up next. Do they want to go first or second in the following match? Stuff like that. So that's going to be all going down uh, about a week and a half from now, February 24th, uh, Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific time. So yeah, super excited to be doing that. Chip will actually be joining me on the cast as long as he's still available. Um, Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be sick. And like I said, I got more lined up, planned up, already have ideas for what I want to do for future ones as well. Um, so this is just kind of the, the next one in the process. We're going to be trying to do them probably about monthly. That's going to be the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Looking forward to being a part of it. Seems like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely really enjoy this type of match. I mean, I, the, even at tournaments, like the most interesting games to me is like just seeing top tier player against top tier player. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't happen all the time. You know, there's a, you know, a lot of top tier players at any given tournament, but there's a lot of, you know, just solid players at any given tournament. And those games are also great, you know, not trying to downplay any of that, but like, you know, just seeing the best minds in the game go at it and how games play out and how people navigate like rocky situations and stuff like that, find paths to get out of bad spots uh, is all super enjoyable. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to being a part of it. Uh, $1,600 up on the line uh, for the first place team to take home. Yeah. Yep. Yep. $1,600 $1,600 on the line. Um, put up a little bit my myself, but then I got some sponsors for the for the match going down as well. So, yeah, I'm trying to make these as big as I possibly can, like, moving forward. Uh, I'm going to try and do more or as much as I possibly can to, you know. Because I think that's like a, like, I want, if I'm going to get, like, like I want, like, a, to incentivize these really good players to want to play. Like, I'm putting on the, the show uh, and doing all the streaming and stuff, but, like, I got to put some incentive out there for the really good players to, like, want to show up and play in this thing, right? So, um i'm kind of working behind the scenes to try and, yeah exactly and i think i create some more hype and like you know uh hype behind and stuff like that to have like a bigger prize pool as well so i'm always trying that's what i'm doing behind the scenes is trying to get like as much uh, or as big as prize pools as possible i can to you know get these really good players to want to show up and, and try their best um and then also you know add a little bit more hype to it as well um so yeah i'm really excited for the future of this as well i'm really excited for the future of everything with this so um yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one and then and the future ones as well. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's just going to be sick. I'm super hyped for it. Yeah, super cool to see someone's putting out content like this in the game. Uh, so props to you for making it happen because, yeah, I mean, it, like, it's great to, like, stream the new sets and, like, you know, play wacky decks and all that stuff like that. But, like, to drive more people to be interested in the competitive side of the game, this is the type of stuff that, that gets people there. So it's definitely super exciting. I think this stuff like does definitely make a yeah. It's like, there's like definitely like was a void to be filled, um, not a void. I guess like wasn't like dying to be like it was. It was like it was like there was. It was it's like just something, something that was, wasn't happening. You it know? wasn't like happening, but people definitely want it. Once once it's there and people know it exists, like oh yeah, I definitely want this to be here, and I'm definitely gonna um, want to watch this. So 
I wasn't feeling like a void that was like missing, but it was like once you realize that this could exist, you're like, oh yeah, that's really cool to have around. So exactly. Um, yeah. And yeah. I actually well, one more thing you're gonna go back to what I was gonna go back to saying when you said like yeah, just watching like really good players, like it really is like some of like this is the, the my most fun thing to watch is like two really good players play Pokemon, to be honest. Especially like live, like streaming these tournaments live recently, like and like and I'm when I say when I say really good players, I mean like having players like Bradner, like versus uh Tord or something like that. Like I'm talking about like the point We're talking zero, about one percent of the one percent, like, you know, like really good. There's a lot of really good players out there. A lot of players are pretty consistent with the results, but I'm talking about like like, you know, the top, top of the top. So like all all six of these players, I think definitely fit that criteria. Um so but yeah, watching that level of play is always really, really uh entertaining for sure and it's something i don't really get to see that much of to be honest because i like i'm competing in every single tournament so yeah. like watching these tournaments live recently with like the restreams and stuff has been really enjoyable for me to just watch other really really good players uh play against each other and also it is kind of nice to to see the, the come up of other players and then you kind of see the the mistakes or blunders some players make but it's almost like it's almost like a good thing to like see that because then you're like oh you're reassured that you know there is still like a really big skill gap in the game and then it makes you appreciate when you see a player just play really really well right or we see a couple players play like a really really good match and both players play super super clean is like um it makes you appreciate a little bit more knowing like the depth to the game and how well you have to play in the moment to actually be able to achieve that so yeah i love playing pokemon is uh very alive and well and uh, (laughs) i'm excited to see see more of it with this show match coming up yeah looking forward to it looking forward to being a part of it thanks for asking me to come do it uh yeah we're gonna have a good time so be sure to tune in saturday february 24th 2 p.m pacific time twitch.tv slash azul gg it'll also be up on your youtube channel um and yeah with that being said we can move on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast but before we do, we have to take a moment to thank our amazing sponsor, Dragon Shield, for supporting us here at the Uncommon Energy Podcast. Dragon Shield, of course, makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market, including the sleeves, the binders, the deck boxes, so much more. I shouted out the cube shells last week. I also keep my cube. I've got it right in uh, the Magic Carpet XL, which is definitely a nice way to, like, transport a lot of decks. I actually looked at the website. I think these are sold out right now, so, you know, might be something to keep your eye on uh, <laughs> for when they come back into stock. But, yeah, I transport my cube in it. I've seen plenty of people, you know, transporting just various decks in those things. It's a, definitely a nice way to keep everything secure and safe and uh, move everything around. I chip teasing everyone with that one. He's just he's flexing on him. He's like, I got it. You guys can't quite get it yet. But look out for it <laughs> someday. Um, someday. I mean, they'll make them again, right? But yeah, huge fan of Dragon Shield and uh, and their sleeves specifically. I'm not going to be using any of them anytime soon myself because I'm not going to Vancouver for you know about a month. But it doesn't mean you can't. You can go get yourselves some of those Dragon Shield sleeves at DragonShield.com, uh, and of course you can use our code, uh, dude. I always it's UE Pod. Get yourself five percent off. Support us at the same time, and of course there'll be a link in the description. Uh, apparently on youtube and also if you're on like the spotify or whatever there's a description there you can get yeah the, uh, the link one well. more plug about the dragon shield as well jesper erickson at the at charlotte i think it was he actually had a gift for me and it is a pack of orange classics so not the mats i've been classics. using the mats for a long time but this is like throwback i used to use classics almost exclusively uh so i'm gonna be rocking those for my next league cup or league challenge that i get to go to yeah, I did too. Dude, it was actually funny. I mentioned that on 
street someone was using all of the best i don't know why all the best players in my area way back in the day used dry brown and dragon shield classics and someone on stream was using and i like brought it up on my stream uh when i was watching dortmund because someone was using brown dragon shield classics that's sick um and i was like it made, gave me a throwback because yeah i don't know why but all the best players in my area back in the day they would always just use brown dragon shield classics i don't know it's like a thing that i guess they had going on but but yeah let's go ahead and let's jump into guess that flavor text it's chips week to pick a pokemon card and read the flavor text on it for me to try and guess which pokemon belongs to the card and the flavor text if i get it right without using any lifelines i get four points i am trailing by chip a little bit in the points department. I think it's like, what, 19 to 11 right now? It is 19 to 11. It's 19 um, to 11. And for each lifeline I use to try and help me guess the card, guess the Pokemon, I'll get one less point. And the or the uh, <clears throat> lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name. Chip, you got a good one for me this week? I think so. We'll see what, what you got <laughs> working. Uh, you know, there's been many times where I've given you one that I thought was going to be a little bit of a layup and uh, didn't work out. And then there's been plenty of times where I've given you a really hard one and you actually got really close. So we'll see right. what happens this week. You ready? Hit me with it. All right. Blank makes its home in coral reefs and warm seas. It especially likes sleeping in the space between Corsola's branches. Okay, so I was thinking of Corsola initially, but not as a Pokemon. It just like made me think of Corsola because you said the isn't like Corsola basically coral, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right, so go ahead and give it to me one more time. Yeah. Blank makes its home in coral reefs in warm seas. It especially likes sleeping in the space between Corsola's branches. Oh, so basically it sleeps on top of Corsola. So it's like a smaller Pokemon. It's probably a basic Pokemon. It's a water Pokemon. You said warm seas, right? Warm seas. Coral reefs and warm, warm seas. Warm seas. Um man, I feel like there is like some kind of like buddy Pokemon that kind of goes with Corsola and hangs out with Corsola a lot, but I don't know it off the top of my head. So I think I'm just gonna have to use some lifelines here to be honest to get a little bit closer. Because nothing is like popping out to me. I can't even like think of like a there's like water Pokemon, but like ocean Pokemon. I can't really like even mm -hmm. think of like a ocean Pokemon. So let's go with what set the card is from. It is from Crown Zenith. Okay, so not a massive set, if I remember correctly. A lot of reprints. Crown Zenith was kind of like a shiny set. Dude, that's not really doing anything for me. I'm almost like locked in on it being a basic, so I'm not going to waste a lifeline and just get one less point. But I think I have to go with an attack name here to help me out a little bit. Attack name, Emotional Draw. Dude, I'm blanking so hard on this. I have no clue. Emotional Draw. Once again, I still think it's a basic. From Crown Zenith. Dude, I have no idea what this could possibly... What is like an ocean Pokemon that is just like a small Pokemon that could sit... That could sleep on top of a Corsola? I don't know. Does it exist? I don't know if this exists. It's it a fake Pokemon. Right? I mean, give me a stage then. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about the basic and this will help me. It is actually a basic. Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me the give me the flavor text one more time. One more time. Here we go. Blank makes its home in coral reefs in warm seas. It especially likes sleeping in the space between Corsola's branches. Dude, I have no I is it uh let's just go with uh let's just lock in i don't know luminian luminian uh luminian, one problem no, wait, is hold on, hold on, hold on. luminian is not a basic 
Hold on. The V is a basic in the TCG, but Luminion is not a basic. Let me go with. You you have no idea what Luminion's basic is called. Emotional draw. Let's go with Frillish. Frillish. That's an interesting choice. It is wrong, but that is an yeah. interesting choice. Uh, right. I'll give you Ooh. one more hint, Azul. Do you know what the date is that we're releasing this podcast? Uh, be the 14th. February 14th. What's February 14th? Oh, Love Disc? It is Love Disc <laughs> for Valentine's Day, Azul. <laughs> you got me with the Della Bird on Christmas. I had to get you with the Love Disc on <laughs> Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah, I just could not like no ocean Pokemon were coming to like my mind at all. Like, yeah, but yeah, I love this is definitely an ocean Pokemon. I feel like there's definitely like a difference there between ocean Pokemon and water Pokemon, right? Like, I thought maybe like emotional draw might help you potentially. Yeah, not quite this time. Yeah, well, another zero points for me on this one, I guess. Tough, buddy. Well, let us know down in the comments if you were able to guess correctly. How many points do you have in Guess That Flavor Text? So often people come up to me at regionals and stuff and say, like, I'm way better at Guess That Flavor Text than you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know. I'm not surprised. Yeah. We know. We know. We're just trying, though. We're trying. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being said, we've got one more topic this week, and it's a pretty big one. It is the Champions League uh fuku uh fukuawa it's not fakuda fakuda is a different place you told me it was fakuda and then i looked it up on ptcg legends it's fukuawa 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 yes i thought it was just fakuda no fakuda has a d in it bro i'm pretty sure i saw it be spelled fakuda somewhere i'm not lying yeah fukuawa fukuawa are you sure wilson didn't like misspelled on ptcg legends oh Dude, I don't know where I thought I saw Fukuda, but it's not Fukuda. <laughs> yeah. Fuku Alka. Fuku Alka. All right. There we go. That's a note. Uh, but yeah, yeah. going to be a big tournament. These things always have like 3,000 people at them, and there's always way more people that would have played in it if they could have. They always have the lottery based system. So uh, I think I yeah. saw. DCG is booming over there in Japan. I, think I saw Tuan tweet out that it was like half made it or something like that. Um, yeah. And uh, that's 32 Masters big, and that's after the lottery spot for that's after the lottery for a spot removed over half of the applicants. So over half. So it's like you know maybe like definitely 8K, a decent amount of people. Yeah. Yeah. 8K tried to register and only 3200 uh, made it in. So yeah, massive tournament. I'm gonna be live streaming it. The stream actually these are like see the the Champions Leagues, and also I feel like this is actually like we're kind of like the outside of the i feel like people are just like starting to realize that like these things are very easily accessible to watch and stuff like that yeah um because i feel like just like last season no one was really keeping up with or watching these tournaments too much but now i'm like starting to restream them myself um, i know other people have in the past and other people will be doing it as well but i feel like now people are starting to really catch on to like when these things are and the information of like when they're happening to like know ahead of time is like i think that's the biggest thing i feel yeah. like i would always like the last few years when they were happening, it would be like, oh, yeah, this is happening, by the way. And I wouldn't know about it beforehand, but then it was I'd like, like, know about it the day of. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, oh, but like now I'm planning my content around this, which is so cool to be able to do. The information is so readily available. Like I've had this on my calendar for weeks now. Um, Champions League Fukuawa. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm excited for it. Going to be streaming it. Going to be restreaming it. Rotation, new cards, 
Um, a lot of stuff I'm interested to see happen. Um, so yeah, I'm hyped for the hype for what yep. comes out of uh, this tournament. Yeah, and it's going to have a big impact on you know the testing that we do moving forward, right? Yeah. Uh, because this is going to be the same format that we're going to have for EUIC before too long. They might have some like random promos and stuff that we don't have. I don't actually know 100%, but for the most part, it will be the same format. And yeah, this is going to dictate kind of the meta. It's going to dictate most everyone's testing. People are going to be pulling the lists that succeed at this. And um, yeah, and there's already been tons of tournaments happening over in Japan. We talked about some results from Japanese city leagues not too long ago on the podcast. And for those who don't know, city leagues are basically like their version of league cups. They're a bit bigger, I would say. I mean, probably the average attendance at one of these things is around 100 people. Um, yeah, it seems like they're a little bit bigger for sure. And, you know, but they take place across the country. This website here, Pokeka Book, tracks them. So, uh, you know, we use this to, uh, they have a Twitter page as well. They're always tweeting deck lists from lists that do well at these events. Uh, but yeah, we thought we might just take a look at some of the decks that have been doing well. We're going to make some predictions about the Champions League. So, yeah, let's look at the City League results from this past Saturday. There's a decent amount of tournaments, um, and they do kind of an interesting version of the meta share graph. It doesn't, it's not like every deck that was played at the tournament across the country, Yeah, but it's all of the top 16 decks. So this is the meta of the best placing decks. What do you think I about think this is, metric to measure the meta? I, mean, I think it's a little bit more accurate representation of what a competitive meta is, right? Mm. Or what you'd expect at a major tournament. So actually I like this. Um, I like this top 16 meta only. Um, and that's also maybe one of the reasons they maybe do that is because they, like they do at Champions League, they maybe cut to top 16 at their cities leagues. I, I actually don't know. Case, yeah. Yeah. So that might be one of the reasons, but I actually like that because I think it's a better representation of what you'll probably, what the meta will be close. It'll be closer to what the meta looks like from like actually at a major tournament. Um, when you don't have like, especially with like a new set release, there's so much new shenanigans that people are bringing to these tournaments. I'm sure we don't really need to fit every single deck into the, the meta share, but yeah, Charizard 27%. Like it was, it's the top deck right now. It's been the top deck for a while in terms of popularity, success not quite as much, I would say. And um, yeah, it's still up there. And it seems to not only be one of the most popular decks, but it actually seems to be like a pretty dominant, successful force in the meta as well. Yeah, and what's been interesting too, just kind of like keeping my eye on this website the last couple of weeks. It's like there's been uh, at the start of the format, it was basically all Charizard. Uh, with yep. Pidgeot, it was basically all Pidgeot, but as the format has kind of progressed, a lot more of the successful lists have been playing Bieberel over the Pidgeot. What do you think of that as a, a lot more Bieberel right now? Where are the TM Devos at? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I would assume if you're playing the Bieberel build, TM Devo would be the reason to play it, would be like to avoid the Devo hate towards the Candy build, the Pidgeot build. Um, but then I would assume the Bieber build would be taking advantage of Team Devo itself. There's just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of Team Devo in the format. Pretty good card though. If Charizard's number one, yeah, but it's pretty good against the number one deck. But I mean, if we look at the rest of these decks, it's pretty good against Baxcalibur as well, which I is mean, number it's two. Okay, against Baxcalibur. Also, it puts the Archaeops from Lugia back into the. <laughs> That's not how <laughs> That's that works. Not how it works. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I would. I mean, it still seems like it'd be like if the number one deck is twenty five percent of the meta. If I'm playing Spiritum for Mew, which is eight percent of the meta, I can put a TM Devo for twenty five percent of the meta into the deck. You know, 
Um, yeah, some interesting cars like this build specifically. It has like the uh, I don't know whatever it's called the escape board, not escape board. Has that flutter, uh, main. flutter main. I don't know why I was thinking why that was so hard for me to come up with. Like I knew it was main, and then I just like didn't say it. Um, also, is that the eerie at the bottom there? Uh, it is the eerie. The that eerie, is an interesting one. I mean, Getsis was played in a lot of decks. I think eerie. We might eerie might be. Played in quite a few decks, to be honest. So for anyone who doesn't know, it's a new supporter card coming out. It lets you look at your opponent's hand, and then is it discard two item cards from that hand? Might be shuffle. I actually don't remember, to be honest, now that you're mentioning it. I'll look it up. Um, If it's not discard, it's not very good, so I'm assuming it's discard. Yeah, look at your opponent's hand and discard two item cards. I think it's discard two item cards from it, I think is what it is, as a supporter card. Um, Yeah. But that's like pretty good. Like that's potentially more disruptive than like Ionoing your opponent, right? Because if you Iono yeah. your opponent, as long as they have some draw power in play, they can go find those important item cards. Um, but if you take away like two rare candies, they're just down two rare candies for the rest of the game, right? Yeah. So it's like a really good kind of like long game uh, kind of card. Um, like imagine you go up against a Lost Box and take away a Mirage Gate or two. They're just like, well, yeah. I guess I lose, right? So really really powerful card honestly maybe that's like that if that card becomes popular how do you ever play a lost box deck like you just sit there against lost box and like yep keep playing your call says build a big hand oh very cool very cool okay eerie and then you just like take away two mirage gates or a bunch of switch cards or like whatever yeah and then i don't know i'm on the next turn like pretty good i don't know yeah and there's been uh, a decent amount of control doing well. I'm scrolling through here and not finding a list. This is just the results from City Leagues that happened this past Saturday, but they usually do an article like at the end of the week that recaps everything. Um, yeah, there has been still some control doing well. I mean, this is a list that played three eerie, not seeing the, the hand trimmer in here, which is maybe a little surprising. Um, I just like not necessary, right? Yeah, maybe you have not. the Chi in there, so you have like an aggressive. Yeah, the hand trimmer's like the hand trimmer's like good if you need to win fast, but this deck doesn't need to win fast. It'll it will win eventually, right? Sure. Also, eerie eerie maybe is enough, right? Because eerie is something that you do as like a win condition to lock your opponent, and then after that, as they draw into item cards, that still progresses your mill, um, your mill actions. So, yeah, and this it, first place, this is this Snorlax list that we're looking at is one that was able to take a first place finish at uh uh <laughs> at a tournament and look what it played against in the finals Mirror another <laughs> a different Snorlax that also had chi you <clears throat> they were just going crazy in this one huh um yeah. so they got the uh we lost echoing horn which is a big part of controls win condition because of course you're trying to trap one of your opponent's pokemon in the active um so you could use erica's invitation to attack the hand and then echoing horn to attack the discard pile so they couldn't just ultra ball away all the cards that they didn't want you to erica's invitation um because then you could just echo and horn out of the discard pile but the mantine um looks or takes a basic pokemon from your opponent's discard pile for one colorless energy as a basic pokemon and puts it onto their bench now it's a little bit slower than echoing horn and it's also an attack you have to use for a turn yeah so it's way worse it's like way worse than echoing horn it's like not even remotely close yeah but you kind of need it otherwise your opponent's just going to ultra ball away all the basic pokemon that you could trap in the active with snorlax and you'll never actually catch anything with erica's invitation and you'll just kind of like the deck will just lose every time so you need to play something like the mantine uh and there's been a a bit of a mix uh going back to charizard here as well um one of the i think more interesting things to look at is going to be which a specs are most successful right um i think Prime Catcher is definitely just overall like the best one. Yeah. 
but there's good reason to play a lot of the other ones in various different decks. I mean, and basically all of the A specs have been played. The Neo Upper Energy, is that what it's called? Neo Energy. That's kind of the yeah. one that has not really been seeing success. I actually did see a Lugia list that played one of them uh, alongside the Luxray so that you can put it on the Luxray and then attack with Luxray, like even when you're not behind on prizes, which is something yeah. you couldn't do with reversal energy, but you kind can't cool. put Luxray in play unless you're behind on prizes. So I don't really know exactly how that works out. Would be uh, like if you're behind, you could put it in play, then you get ahead, but they can still on. utilize it. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Cool. But uh, other than that, I mean, that's kind of the only A spec we haven't seen. Uh, most of the lists are playing the Prime Catcher. The Lugia lists, for the most part, are playing the Master Ball. They just got to find those Archaeops. Yeah, you got to find them. And uh, then a decent amount of Charizard lists are playing the Maximum Belt. Maximum Belt. I don't know what the English no idea. version of this card is going to be called. But yeah, the tool that makes your attacks do 50 more damage to Pokemon EX. Yeah, it's just really good against Charizard. Which, like, we were talking about, like, I don't know, Team Devo seems good. I mean, imagine if you hit him with a Team Devo. Then they finally get out of Charizard, and then you knock it out with a Maximum Belt, right? So that's like, that's the main reason I think we're seeing this uh it's really good against like Chim Power and stuff too. So you can just like, yeah, it is. It allows you to be more aggressive. Yeah, and actually, with the way the lists are built right now, honestly, Charizard might be a go first deck now. You got the four buddy Poffins now, so you're not as limited to having like a really good turn one. I, but because you don't really have to play as many stadiums as you used to, right? Because lost, what do you need lost vacuum for anymore? Maybe if the tool cards are popular enough, but there's yeah. no path. Um, so you can play this like we see this list here: four buddy Poffin, three Nest Ball. The lack of Artisan is interesting, but stadiums almost seem like don't don't seem that prevalent in the format right now besides like pokestop i guess yeah they're really not super prevalent um and it's really not a surprise to see charizard dominating so much because i mean it's currently the most played deck some would argue it is currently the best deck um and it really doesn't lose anything to rotation like you think about the other decks right now that you could consider the best like the uh the yeah. giratinas the gardevoirs right those decks lose a lot to, to rotation. Like Gardevoir gets hit so hard. There's like very little Gardevoir succeeding at these tournaments. And the decks look yeah. totally different than what they looked like previously, right? Because uh, you don't have Mirage Step, you don't have Zacian, you don't have Shining Arcana. Like th these the are becoming Drifloom decks now. Yeah, the way everyone back, thought Gardevoir was going to be played originally, right? <laughs> Everyone's hyping up the Drifloom with the Bravery Charm. It's terrible, but now you don't have a choice. Drifloom's like, finally... <laughs> The shiny arcana rotated so I can have my moment. And he's ready to step up. And uh, there's no Mirage step as well. But when you're not attacking with Guard Wars and your curlers are just chilling on the bench. Yeah. A little bit less relevant. Like Mirage Step's a little bit less relevant. So we're seeing like, yeah, these I'm not surprised to see these Arvin builds become the the way to play the deck here for sure. And honestly, though, I mean, you got Countercatcher, you got Iono, um, like and you got the energy acceleration from Guard War EX. I could still see Guard War being becoming still a top deck overall in the sure. format. So. It looks a lot different, though. I mean, like, the, yeah. the decks now are playing, like, eight and nine energy cards because, like... So you still have Mimikyu EX, right? Like, that's still something you have as well, which basically replaces Zacian. Mimikyu EX? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot lists, about that but, card, yeah. Yeah, so we still have, like, a replacement for Zacian, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't look like anyone's playing that at the moment. And no one's playing it. Uh, the Flutter Main, honestly, I've seen this pop up as a tech in a lot of decks. I've seen it in some Chi and Pao lists. I've seen it in some Gardevoir lists. We saw it in a Charizard list a minute ago. Uh, if there, if Lost Box is popular, like that card just kind of shuts down Lost Box as just a one of, and it's yeah. better than something like the Klefki because 
uh, you can attack with it. And its attack is not bad. It does 90 damage, and you put two damage counters on your opponent's bench Pokemon however you like. Uh, and yeah. for those who don't know, its ability says that when it's active, your opponent's active Pokemon cannot use its abilities. So it doesn't shut down anything on the bench, right? Uh, they can yeah. still, sh sh uh, sh you know, Sheer Cold with Backscalibur, or whatever the ability is called, uh, throw energies in play. But Lost Box literally, like, can't do anything. <laughs> like, there's not even a scape rope to push it out of the active anymore. It rotated. Yeah, yeah. So the, the biggest thing is that escape rope, right? Like, before, like, if you want to utilize Klefki to really slow down Lost Box, you need two of them in play. That's your active Pokemon, one of your bench Pokemon. You have to find it. And then if you don't, they have escape rope, and they, didn't, they don't care anyways. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's definitely a pretty big difference maker there for sure um and uh yeah i mean that makes klefki better for sure against lost box as well but then like specifically against lost box flutter main seems like the go-to it also doesn't shut down your side of the field as well it's just your opponent's active pokemon whereas klefki shuts down all basic pokemon in play um yours or your opponents gm pal has stayed pretty popular i have to imagine it still has probably a pretty solid charizard matchup overall especially if yeah they don't play the maxim belt maybe if they play maxim belt i could actually see it being closer to 50 50 right because zard can just go turn to attack knock out a champ for two prizes and then they jump ahead in the prize trade um you're so but, aggressive now the aggressive options with the prime catcher and champ is kind of crazy to be honest like yeah that is the thing too and it's kind of there's been two... oh, cancel cologne not it's cancel cologne rotate Canceling Cologne is still legal. And a lot of Why the lists no I see. Cologne in here? Yeah, this list should should probably have it. Um, but there's I kind of been two here. popular lists I've been seeing. People are either still playing Iron Hands, which looks like what most people are doing, or yeah. people are playing a 1 1 Palkia V Star line. But get that out of there. Not worth. There's been go. a decent amount of people playing it. Honestly, I don't know if Hands is necessary, but the Canceling Cologne combo is seems way too good. What do you need Palkia for? Oh, I guess you can kind of like turn two. You can like do the turn two without needing. You can do the turn two canceling clone prime catcher play without needing the Chi and Power I get or the Backscalibur. But like the resources you commit to set up the Palkia probably could have just found you the Backscalibur. Yeah. And you're good to go. Now nah, cut the Palkia, get that out of there. <laughs> but yeah, Prime Catcher plus canceling clone seems kind of ridiculous to be honest. Like that's just like it's literally four cards in one for the deck. Like you played four cross switchers, which was felt pretty bad to have like those like cards in your deck a lot of times. And now you just go down to one card that just feels broken. And then most lists are playing one or two Cryptomaniacs Deciphering. Broken card. Which I think seems pretty good in this deck. There, just because there's so many ways you can interact with it, right? You can, for those who don't know, it's a supporter. It lets you search your deck and then choose two cards, shuffle your deck, and then put those two cards on top of your deck in whatever order you want. And there's just so many ways you can interact with this card. And it's such a combo-based deck, right? Um it works with your Radiant Greninja. It works with Bibarel. It works with Pokestop. So I think it makes sense. Irida is probably just overall still better. Like, I don't think you would yeah. ever play a super heavy count of the Cryptomaniac, but it makes sense as a way to just set up a combo piece on a specific turn. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know if you want to play Iono. You could be maybe such an aggressive deck now. You don't even play Iono anymore. Um, a lot of lists still do have the one Iono, but I mean, these two here that I'm looking at have one boss, one Cryptomaniac, respectively. The Maniac definitely seems pretty good in there for sure. And we see people going down to like three Pokestops as well. Probably mostly I because... with two Pokestop. Yeah, both probably mostly because they're not getting... You don't need bumps to path. Because path rotated. Yeah. And if there's just not that much other stadiums in the format, your Pokestop is just sticking in play. So then playing that too many Pokestop just becomes like a hindrance to your own consistency. 
That list right there, I kind of like that. Well, I don't know about the mini one, but I guess if you're trying to be control kind of works. I like this list right here. Yeah, I, I saw a list pretty similar to this recently that I liked. It didn't have the Kyogre. I don't know if that card's necessary or not. It's good in Mirror Match. It's definitely good in Mirror Match. It's pretty good against Roaring Moon as well, which still has yeah. remained a pretty prevalent deck. Um, And, you know, if you're already playing Canceling Clone, like, you know, you can do stuff with that potentially. Who knows? Um. Yeah, you could do some crazy. You could like go counter catcher one turn into prime catcher, prime catcher next turn. You could, yeah. This dude, chain pal seems pretty scary to be honest. This deck seems kind of gross if it when it sets up. Yeah, definitely seems solid. Uh, Maradon is a deck that we haven't really seen much from, which is kind of interesting because it was so popular in this format. But I mean, when you look at the fact that Flaffy rotated, like it seems like that was just big enough of a hit for this deck to to really kind of falter i mean this is one of the first lists i've actually even seen for maridon and it's a list that plays regielecki v max yeah i don't know about the lucky v max but like i don't know the exp share technology is like been discovered and then we also have that new baton card that allows you to chain iron hands i feel like i feel like maridon still probably pretty good um zard obviously is probably tough but i don't know i feel like it's gonna be able to make it it's gonna be able to make it work maybe you can go to like a four boss build um oh you do you lose raikou is raikou rotate the Raikou is still in format. Oh, it's even still in that list as well. I just kind of miss it. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the I feel like Mariah will be all right, to be honest. And I think one of the more interesting things that's come out of the early meta in Japan, and we'll see what ends up developing in the Champions League this weekend, is kind of a resurgence of two decks that used to be extremely popular, but then recently have kind of fallen off. And this is something that I think almost always happens around rotation right? Because the meta changes, the card pool is a little bit more limited. There's also usually new cards coming out that can work with older decks. Uh, and that's really all of those things I think are becoming the case for uh, these two specific decks I want to talk about. And that is Lugia V-Star and also Arceus V-Star, Giratina V-Star. Two decks that at a time were very powerful, very popular, both decks that saw a lot of success last year. Uh, but if we look at the last like six months, we haven't really seen much from either of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I think Arc. I don't know. Arctina feels like such a weird deck because it always felt like such like a. Uh, I don't know. Arctina never felt that good to me, to be honest. Overall, it always felt like the deck was just super mid and like overplayed yeah. for how mid it was, to be honest. But um, who knows? The new cards might be be a big difference. The big thing that it gets, of course, is that maximum belt, fifty more damage to EX Pokemon as a tool card. Allows you to use Giratina to one hit KO Charizards. And we see in this build specifically, they also have that Verizian or fake Iron Verizian Leaves. Iron Leaves EX, which is a new EX Pokemon coming out that is a grass attacker or grass type Pokemon that has an attack of Prism Edge for Grass Trash Colors that allows you to do 180 damage. You can't attack next turn, which does one hit KO Charizard. Also, its ability is pretty cool. We've seen abilities very similar to this in the past. Yeah, its ability it, is the reason it's played in this deck. Yeah, yeah, because it just works so well. When you play from your hand onto your bench, you can switch the Pokemon into your active, and then you can move any number of energy attached to your other Pokemon to this Pokemon. So um, you load up some energy anywhere, and then you bring it all together on the Iron Leaves um, once you get onto your bench, and you're doing 180, KOing that Charizard EX, you know, keeping up in the prize trade, theoretically. So, yeah, yeah, maybe so, you've got a good Charizard matchup. Maybe it is. Maybe, and hey, there's that eerie in there again. People playing this like, not yeah. It's like a, it's like a pseudo disruption card, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, eerie. You can yoink it out of your deck at any time with Starbirth. This list doesn't play it. It doesn't look like, but um, there's all the other. 
He's a seven grass. That's a lot of grass energy. I mean, you got to attack with the iron yeah, leaves, you got brother. That. That's you know? true. That's true. I mean, against Charizard, you've got a pretty clear path of like attack with an iron leaves, maximum belt attack with Athena, and then V star power. Or, I guess you can't V star power. What am I saying? Oh, no. You're you might Arceus for your first cards in the lost zone. Yeah, you might even Arceus for like your two first first two prize cards in that matchup, possibly or KO Rotom or something like. Yeah, it's actually yeah. pretty easy for Arceus to just take two prizes in that matchup naturally, just because it's hard to KO in Arceus as a Charizard deck early yeah. in the game. Yeah, honestly, that matchup does seem like it maybe is pretty decent, to be honest. That one does seem pretty decent. Uh, and then hey, the maybe Lugia. Next yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. do you want to say something about Arceus? Broken deck. Lugia, though. <laughs> I don't know about this one, but it's interesting, for sure. We got the... Go ahead. Tell me what it does. Yeah, I think that Lugia honestly seems really good. And it's because of the new Chinchino coming out it's uh and again when we're saying these attack names we don't know if that's what they're going to be called in english but the japanese translation at least right now says special round it does 70 damage for each special energy attached to this pokemon so you get four energy from two archaeops your chinchino's doing 280 damage you attach for turn you're doing 350 you're knocking everything out this thing there's a lot of energy though it it is <laughs> a lot of energy it's a big commitment and i think basically every single list i've seen does play 17 energy <laughs> for that reason i would imagine um snorlax still a good attacker lugia hey still has a lot of hp the special energy in the format are only getting better you get the new mist energy i think or yep. whatever it's called that makes it so that um the pokemon it's attached to isn't affected by effects of your opponent's attacks no v guard is weird in here but besides that yeah that's a little weird Wait, in this v guard rotate that we're looking Dude, I at i always have to i always have to second guess if stuff rotates does v guard rotate no v guard is still in the format well look at what you have to do to actually like feel like you're comfortable to set up there's four serena in this deck yeah that's um, in this list i've not seen that in any other okay. list that's a little interesting um and also we do lose Professor Burnett, which is probably a pretty big hit, but people are making up for it. They're playing the Jack. So now you can use Dominion <laughs> for Jack. Jack gets two Archaeops, and you have to have an Ultra Ball in your hand. You can Ultra Ball them away. Or on your first turn, you could utilize the Squawkability Luminian combo yeah. to get Jack, and then you Squawk away to discard them. I don't know if that's good, but it is a thing. Yeah, the Jack is interesting as well. I mean, there are there is like a Rezu still in the format that lets you search for three evolution Pokemon, but they can't have rule boxes. Yeah, so Jack, Jack can find the search Lugia. for like the Lugia V Star. So I mean, I think that's why Jack is probably worth playing in this also, deck. So Jack still. can find Chinchino as the yes. game progresses, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like a card that you can use throughout the game. But I think the the thing holding Lugia back probably right now would be the consistency, to be honest. Like yeah. how often are you able to get the turn to double Archeops? Because that's why Lugia was so powerful for so long, because doing that was pretty easy and pretty consistent. Uh, when you had quick ball and ultra ball and uh Aurora energy, like you had so many ways to get Lugia down in the discard pile. Honestly, how did people ever whiff turn to double Archeops Lugia? They didn't, bro. You had four evolution incense. They did sometimes, though. How did you ever whiff? Like, how is it possible to have ever whiffed? They weren't playing the Professor Burnett back then. That's a different it almost feels like people got it more consistently with Burnett in the deck. Your board just got a little nah, sloppier because you had way to... less consistent post rotation. But well, sure, sure, sure. On paper, but it's not what the feels were, you know. What the feels were. Did you have a, you um, said there was was that the second deck or did you have another deck that that was the second deck yeah lugia yeah. and the arctina both kind of coming back yeah i guess the only other deck we could shout out here would maybe be that uh ancient box single prize ancient box that we see popping up 
Quite a bit. Is it good? I got no clue to be honest, but it's popping up. It's like popping up. It is popping up. Yeah. So two new cards coming out from this set. There's the Karidon. It does 30 damage for each ancient Pokemon you have in play. And for then fighting in a colorless. For a fighting in a colorless. And then the uh Roaring Moon. It's a little Roaring Moon, not not Roaring Moon EX. It does 70 damage and then plus 10 more damage for each ancient card in your discard pile. Not ancient Pokemon, ancient card. So that includes Earthen Vessel, Ancient Booster Energy Capsule, Professor Sada. There's the new hiker type card that lets you look at the top six. Keep two, discard four. Um, oh. All the Pokemon in this deck, except for Radiant Greninja, are also ancient Pokemon. So yeah. that thing can theoretically do a lot of damage at the end of the game. Is it ever getting to like 1 KO numbers, though, on like 280s? I don't think it's ever getting to do 80, right? I think 280 is it 70 is plus 20 or 70 plus 10? It's 70 plus 10. 70 plus 20 Ooh. would be crazy, honestly. Would it, though? 70 plus 10 is, you're, I mean, this is a two-hit deck for sure. We're not 1 KO in anything. Yeah, unless you're able we're to capitalize second. on weakness. Yeah, we're going second, and we're attacking turn one, and then from there, try to put it all together. Yeah, so this is something that's been popping up a little bit. I think if I was to play something like this, I would probably still want to play a Roaring Mooney X, so you do have like a one-hit KO option for your last two prizes, maybe at the end of the game, something like that. But It's really weird to like put in play, though, ahead of time, though, I feel like, right? Like That's why they have yeah, the one of Dark Patch. Right? Yeah, that's why they have the one of Dark Patch, so they can do it in one turn, theoretically, but... Yeah, I mean, maybe you get there. I don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, this deck feels like it probably won't be great. Um, but might be the best single prize deck we've had in a little while, to be honest. Yeah, and people do love a good single prize deck, for sure. It's true. There's another list with Roaring Mooney X and two Dark Patch. It also does play the other, the the ancient A-spec, the ancient drum, something like that. Draw yeah. a card for each of your ancient Pokemon in play. Obviously, good synergy there. And speaking of the other A specs, there is also the future box deck. Something I know you're pretty excited for, Azul, but yeah. it really hasn't been doing super well. All right. Um, got the got the chefs in the kitchen. They're working on it. Yeah, that is. It's definitely a deck like this. Um, it's not going to just like immediately be seeing success, right? It's a brand new archetype. There's no like predetermined list to go in with, right? You need the best players to kind of really cook with it. Uh, I think the meta is a big up. thing. And the big thing as well is like, we don't know where the meta's at right now. Right. Yeah. So but yeah, I got faith in the future box. It's got all the tools and we just need to see if it can come together, I guess for sure. But all right, chip heading to the tournament. Let's uh, make some predictions. And uh, let's start off with the the cool new cards, the A specs. Everyone's going to be playing one, right? Actually, is there any deck that's not going to be playing one? Just what we'll, no one? Way. Just control play. If How would you ever not control? I don't know. Play Prime Catcher, bro. No, you no, they you, play the tool, the plus one hundred HP. Right? Yeah, that's got to be the better one. Yeah. Um, but which one do you think is going to be most popular in the top sixteen? Which A spec is going to be most popular in the top sixteen? Yeah. So, so in Japan, they cut to over there. They do cut the top sixteen, not top eight. I mean, I think that easy choice and then probably just the correct choice has to be prime catcher all the a specs seem pretty good and i think there's a decent shot that like four or five of them are represented in the top 16 but there's just no way that any of them are played more than prime catcher i just don't see that ever happening yeah i think i agree with you on that i think i have to go with prime catcher as well on on that one it's gonna be tough to beat that the prime catcher i think as we've seen like the 
I guess it was like really weird to see a lot of success from Charizard initially, and they were all playing the Maxim belt. And it was more so as other decks started to see more success, we started to see more Prime Catcher have more success. That's just because the other decks don't really favor the Maxim belt. Maxim belt would be the maximum belt, or is it Maxim belt? I don't know, man. It's something in Japanese, and we don't know what it is in English, you know? What (laughs) does like the current translation say? Maximum belt, I think. Oh, I'll double check. All right. Yeah, maximum belt. All right, maximum belt. Um, but yeah, I think we're, yeah, it'll be the prime catcher for sure. I think overall. Uh, and like we said, they do cut to a top 16, you know, we've done this before. Most, what we think the most played deck will be in a top eight. What do you think the most played deck will be in their top 16? The most well-represented. Um, well, we Charizard's, talked about a lot of archetypes here. Yeah. Charizard's the easy guess. So I'm gonna go a little bit outside of that. I'm going to go with, let's go Chi and Pao on this one. I think yeah, Chi and Pao seems disgustingly good. Uh, overall and like historically which is like not that far that long ago but historically it's had a good charizard matchup as well so if chi and pao becomes like a really like that much better of a deck i mean yeah i'm gonna go have to go with the chi and pao on this one yeah i actually kind of like that pick i was leaning towards picking chi and pao but i think that the numbers probably will just dictate charizard remaining the top choice we get attacked against pretty heavily though it could. Devos. Where are the team Devos, bro? Just bring them out. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Charizard as the most popular deck in top sixteen. I think that's a still a safe bet. All right, sounds good. Sounds good. So got the new cards. I guess the new cards outside of Ace Specs. We've had them for a little while, but they're kind of being like amplified with the set. Is the future an ancient? Yeah, they're getting a lot more tools, uh, a lot more toys. Yeah, a lot more toys. We already we just talked about both of the kind of prominent archetypes of the builds. What one do you think will be more successful? Which one's going to go further, Ancient or Future? So, like, just any deck that, like, is Roaring Mooney X an Ancient deck? It is, right? Nah. I mean, it's got Sada's, bro. It's got Ancient Booster Energy Capsule. Um, okay, yeah, sure. I think I've got to go with Ancient, for sure. I could see the future doing well because like like you said the cooks are in the kitchen right and they're this is the time to (laughs) to bust out the main course right here for the champions league uh so i could see some future box deck doing pretty well but there's just so much good ancient stuff out there i'm gonna go with ancient okay well i'm gonna go yeah i'm gonna go future i really like the future stuff going on i'm hoping future pulls through here um so i'm gonna i'm gonna lock in the future here for sure uh, so right now, it's a lot of old cards being played, um, like the Charizard, the uh, Cham Pals, the Lugias, the Arceus. Like it's a lot of like the old stuff that we've seen, uh, and we've talked about a lot of the new supports. Like the Buddy Poffin is the big one. The A Specs are big, right? But there's also several new EX cards in this set. So. What do you think the do we want to do most played or best finishing new EX will be in the top 16? Uh, I'm not for most played. All right. So most played new EX card in the top 16. What do you think is all? I'm going with I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but the plus 20 damage future Pokemon Iron Crown, Iron Crown, because there's four of them in the future decks. I got four of them in each of the future decks. I'm a believe a big future believer. I believe in the future. The future is now. (laughs) Um, And with four of those in each of the decks, if we get like two, three of those in the top 16, that should do it for this prediction. Yeah, honestly, even if one of them made top 16, it would be hard for four (laughs) other from the new set. 
The only other one would possibly be Raging Bolt. We didn't really talk about Raging Bolt, but that's another big new card from the set. It hasn't really done super well. Probably similar reasons maybe to the future box, right? Like it's a new archetype. People just haven't really brewed it up. Uh, Raging Bolt. It does seem a little bit weaker though than the future box. So Raging Bolt is literally just the next two prize beat stick deck. Yeah, but could it do it better than the current two prize beat stick deck? I don't think it does it better. I don't think it does it better than like a Golden Go or a um or in moon to be honest uh, but uh, something like i don't like if there's no future box i make top 16 i think it like something like an, the iron leaves itself the iron leaves has to be the o- only other possible choice just because it's played in the arctina it could be played in lost tina as well i could see it making its yeah. way into those lost tina builds maybe some other kind of lost but zone decks as well it could make uh, and there. it is played as well in the lo- the future box deck i'm gonna go with the iron leaves uh just to spice it up a little bit, but I think that you've got a pretty good pick in the Iron Crown, to be honest. Locking in the crown. And then our last prediction here. We're doing five predictions this time. We normally just do three, but it's an exciting big new tournament, so we wanted to set throw a lot of stuff out there. So uh, what new A-spec will be in the winning deck? Well, I'm putting a lot of uh faith into the future box so i feel like i gotta go with whatever it's called (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what it's called but the future a spec i assume all the future decks will be running it i don't Um, know what it's called either i don't know the name but accelerates energy from your discard pile to each of your future pokemon in play uh one basic energy each of your future pokemon in play from the discard pile so uh, whatever that card is called that is um that is what I'm going with here. Why is it not in this page two? Oh, it's page on page two. two. There you go. We'll figure out the name. We're figuring out the name right now. It is the reboot, reboot pod. pod. Of course. Pod. Yeah, so I'm going um, with the reboot pod. Okay. Okay. I think that's a fair choice. I mean, you're putting a lot of stock in this deck. <laughs> All in on the future. Um, I think there's a good shot that it is just prime catcher. Good shot, it's maximum belt. But the deck I am actually most hype on right now in the new set is the Lugia. I think Lugia seems insane. The consistency is <laughs> the main question, but the Chinchino is just nuts. Snorlax is still good. You've got all these different special energies that are so strong. So I'm going with good old classic Master, Master Ball. Ball. <laughs> Master Ball to be the A spec in the winning deck. Let's go, Lugia. It's really funny that it actually is being played in like a seemingly decent meta deck immediately whereas like master ball the old master ball a spec was never played like ever so yeah. um yeah yeah i mean i i'm down to see some some lugia do well for sure especially if it means master ball is getting played so <laughs> we'll see what ends up happening weekend. i'm looking forward to it yeah. as well this weekend uh when, when are you going to be how does it work with the time difference when are you going to be streaming this thing so people can tune in and watch yeah so i'll be streaming it uh the stream starts at 4 30 pacific uh 7 30 eastern the game's on probably friday? Won't on friday and saturday so friday's day one saturday's day two starts at the same time um the games probably won't still start until like an half an hour to an hour after the stream starts um but yeah that's when the stream that's when i'll be starting my, i'll be starting my stream probably around like 4 p.m pacific um and then the uh their stream will start up at that 4 30 games will probably won't start until a little bit after that but yeah nice yeah it's i'm gonna try to it. tune in for sure as well and uh 
see what's doing well and see uh, who makes the better predictions. I'm I'm really excited to see just like what decks do well looking at the top 16 lists and stuff like that. It's this is like the most exciting time. Like we've always talked about how we most enjoy like the new set coming out, but this is like twofold because it's new set plus rotation. So yeah, spices it up a lot. Yeah, definitely is going to be a big game changer. Definitely excited for it. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thanks so much, as always, to everyone for listening. Thank you so much for the support. If you do enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a rating, a like, a review, a comment, wherever you are listening, whatever you know type of feedback you can give us. It helps us out a lot. It's a great way to support the show. It's a great way to help more people find it. So we, of course, always are very thankful for any of those reviews and ratings. Um, and if you want to stay up to date with us, the best place to do it is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yeah, appreciate the support. As always, make sure you come check out the stream um, for, I don't remember how to pronounce it, but the Champions League this weekend. I'll be streaming that Friday, Saturday. And then catch y'all next Wednesday here, 7 a.m. Eastern. See ya, see ya.